It is time for a Valentine's Day edition of the Ameriport Podcast. Of course, I am Jason Floyd. As always, I'm joined by Daniel Galvanas. We're here bright and early on a Wednesday morning. The, the sun is barely out here in Tampa. I'm sure the sun's probably not out in, in the Rio Grande. Daniel, how you doing this morning, man? It's Valentine's Day, man. We had to uh, had to, had to work around the schedule for the day of love. But I tell you what, man, I sure love this card we're about to preview. It's fitting that it's, it's, it's a romantic. I, I went to sleep last night just thinking about all the great fights that we're going to talk about, and I woke up full of love, bro, on Valentine's Day. You, you know, one of the things, and we're going to get into some of the aspects, like I feel like there's two fighters on this card that if they go out and lose, MMA social media is just going to rail on them. That being Ilya Taporia, because, well, we both know confidence is not an issue for Ilya Taporia. And I think the other fighter, I I don't think I'm wrong in saying this. I think a majority, if not all, of the MMA audience is hoping Ian Machado Gary gets knocked the F out. Yeah, well, he's definitely become a internet troll come to life. I mean, he talks so much crap. I, I think for me, the one thing that really... I thought was annoying was his analysis of the Sean Strickland um, DDP fight where he just completely dismissed these dudes as amateurs. And I was just like, damn, this guy's kind of annoying. I, I didn't really see it till now, but this is kind of annoying. Um, So yeah, Ian is just a troll. He's also a damn good fighter. He, he may beat Jeff Neal, but without a doubt, if he does lose, you aren't going to just see like, random MMA community members talking smack. You're going to see a long list of UFC fighters talking smack. My thing about Ian Machado-Gary is he can dish it out. I don't know if he can take it in terms of the trash talk. And, like, when they do the press conference here tomorrow, if if I'm Jeff Neal, do you just roll up in a shirt that just has his wife's book on it? It's... Pretty much as embarrassing as a mugshot. I would certainly say it's as embarrassing as a mugshot, maybe more. I, I think that's probably not how Jeff Neal rolls. I feel like Jeff is that type of dude where his way of getting even is knocking you out, not with a shirt. Like, I, I think Ian messed with the wrong dude. The, the thing is, Ian may, in fact, come out here and win against Jeff Neal. Because Ian is technically pretty talented on the feet. Good length. But for Jeff, bro, getting even isn't about getting the best of Gary at a presser. It's about getting the best of Gary fight night, getting that knockout. And he's got that ability. But uh, I, I do think that's a great idea, Jason. I just don't know if we'll see it coming to fruition. And the reason I bring that up is because Ian Gary, when these guys are just supposed to meet, came out in a T-shirt that had Jeff Neal's mugshot. By the way, speaking of mugshots, I saw this on uh, X yesterday. Have you ever gone to Conor McGregor's box rec profile? Is it his mugshot? His photo is his mugshot. If you go That's to boxrack.com and go under Conor McGregor, if you just Google Conor McGregor box rack, his profile picture is his mugshot. I'm not sure which the rest this is from, but it's a mugshot. That is true. There there are a lot of mugshots. That's hilarious. Um, you know what? The box rec people, I think, are allowed to be petty on this situation. Uh, 
clearly Connor hasn't uh, ingratiated himself into the uh, boxing community. I wonder what uh, Francis Ngannou's box rec profile pick. Does he get more respect because he performed better? Yeah, nice little picture in a suit. Nice little picture in a suit for for young uh, Francis Ngannou. But I, I didn't know that. Why were you going to Connor's box rec page, Jason? Like saw- usually, you go to box rec to see somebody's like you know how many knockouts is it? It's pretty clear off the dome. I think you can lay out what his record is in boxing. It's because I saw someone posted on so on on X. Oh, I see, I see. Yeah, I was gonna be like, all right. Oh, I need to go back and see how many. What's his record? No. Came up on my for you page. By the way, speaking uh, speaking of X, and, and we like to always kind of you know talk about things we see on social media, and I forget whether it was on uh, Friday or Saturday. It might have been Saturday morning when I saw this, and, and I saw this bloody elbow tweet. And so what they had done is they took a video that Amy Kaplan had posted on Friday night uh, from Power Slap, which was a knockout, and their simple caption was. This is not a sport. And when I in- initially saw this, Daniel, my, my initial thought was, like, to me, this is just another example. And I quote tweeted, I say, you may not like Power Slap, but you have to understand there's an audience out there that loves to watch it. And, and this is something that we've talked about on the podcast before. Like, it doesn't matter what your opinions are of Power Slap, whether you, you like Power Slap, you love Power Slap, or you hate Power Slap. I just feel like there's people in the combat sports community that for whatever reason just doesn't want to acknowledge that there's a fan base out there. But then as I thought more about this tweet, I also kind of wondered like, A, was this something where they said, hey, you know what? We could probably get uh, a little bit of interaction on social media by posting this and getting people engaging in our product. But then also I thought about like, and look, Bloody Elbow has done a lot of great reporting on the antitrust lawsuit. And my perception is I, I I truly wonder how much I've seen from the Bloody Elbow account about being negative or, um, you know, going after Power Slap is all because of who runs it. Well, that's probably what it is. And also, on X, negativity does win. It absolutely does win. I was really happy to see John Stewart return to the Daily Show last Monday, yesterday, or what's today? Today's Wednesday. On Monday, I, I saw John Stewart return to the Daily mm-hmm. Show. Yeah. On most social media platforms, it was positive reviews. The one social media platform where predominantly was negative was on X. You know, most people were like, oh, John Stewart is back, yada, yada. On X, it was... Oh, John, it was from both sides, mostly the left side, actually, uh, disliking his performance for, you know, making fun of both sides. That was the one platform where it you would have thought he murdered a goat on air and he should be canceled. And then on Facebook, on YouTube, Reddit, the comments are mostly positive. So on X, for some reason, bro, negativity wins. So it could be a social media strategy. By and large, it's probably just whoever's running the account. That's their agenda. Do I disagree with the the uh, the tweet? Not really, I guess. But I don't want to get into a debate on what is and isn't a sport. That's a pretty open-ended debate. For me, it's like it involves skill. 
don't necessarily think slap fighting it, it, it involves skill. I, I get that people watch slap fighting, but and I watch it too. And Bloody Elbow knows people watch it, which is why they posted the entire knockout without giving proper credit to Emmy Kaplan, which <laughs> she, also... She, oh, 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 she took offense to it. Oh, she took major offense to it. Which I don't know if she should take that much offense because it's not like she produced this content. She was just kind of chilling there at this event that was produced by Power Slap and then resharing it. But but I, I digress. She should still have been retweeted. Like she still should have been given full credit and retweeted. Don't get me wrong. But this wasn't like a badass still photo. You know, this was like I'm at a Chiefs game and I'm in the stands and I got Patrick Mahomes touchdown. Like like it wasn't necessarily a work of art. Um, but my last point, Jason. Actually, I'll let you go. I got I got a complete. I, I have a complete digression. So go go next. The one thing I would disagree with you on is I think there is skill that goes into power slap. I mean, uh, you know, there's obviously a technique in knowing how to, you know, finish the match, the fight, however you want to describe it. I do think there is skill involved in it. And, I mean, look, I, I I may be able to walk outside my office here today and show clips of power slap, and if I ask 10 different people, Maybe five of them say it's a sport. Five say it's not a sport. But it, it, to me, like when I look at when I see negativity about power slap, and it goes back to a comment I, I made a couple weeks ago on the podcast. If power slap was run by Scott Coker and not Dana White, is the public perception different? And, and I just feel that because there is Dana White is a controversial figure in the sport. We all know why he is. I just feel like there are some people that they immediately go to negativity with power slap because of Dana White's involvement. And and Absolutely. I'll say and I'll say this. Like I understand the negativity if we're talking about the long-term health aspects because of the fact of you're just physically letting someone slap you as hard as they can and you even though they'll say there is some defense, there's really no defense. Like I under, I am totally with you on that negativity of power slap, but I just feel like it. And maybe my perception is wrong here. I just feel that a lot of the negativity is more related to Dana White than anything else. No, I agree with you. I woke up 20 minutes ago thinking power slap wasn't a sport, but power slap is a sport. I completely was blinded by just thinking about the receiving of the slap which really has no skill unless you would equate clenching your jaw i completely didn't think about the offensive aspect of the competition which does require skill if i went and competed in power slap i would do so bad because i don't know how to slap that well i would lose every time so that does require skill so power slap does actually meet my definition of a sport so i now disagree it is a sport I can't believe I had this epiphany. Do I like it? I uh, don't love it. Don't think it should be legal. I get why people are critical of it because I think one, Dane is polarizing. When you talk about power slap, you get clicks. And, and uh, two, how can you watch the 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 silent film that was the Apex card? And then watch all the energy and promotion that goes into power slap and not think of the opportunity cost as a UFC fan. You're like, really? Uh, But my last point is kind of a tangent. 
I was just kind of thinking about this. How far away are we from like groin strikes, like ball kicking, like power slap, but on the prelims, we got ball kicking. Like, I really feel like power slap is closer to ball kicking than MMA in terms of like, all right, we're going to have two dudes because it has to be dudes in this situation. And uh, we're just going to kick each other in the balls as hard as possible until somebody can't get up. Like, like power slap is, cl- is closer to ball kicking than, than MMA. Also, side note, and I was thinking this when I was watching the fight night and I was watching um, Poteria and uh, Brizik or whatever when there was like 14,000 in the first round. This was my thought. Who would be the best fighter of all time if groin strikes were legal? Like if the entire history of mixed martial arts, you could kick people in the groin. I mean, how different would fights be? Like if, if groin strikes were never illegal, would, would like most of the highlight reel knockout just be like kicks to the balls, like 10 seconds in, you know, Randy Couture would have taken out Tim Sylvia with nut punches. Imagine if we just didn't disallow groin strikes. As you sit there, you know, the fight that immediately comes to my mind and, and for people who've been around the sport for a long time, if I say the name Eric Pringle, we all remember him getting kicked in the nuts. I want to say it was, it was Tiago Santos. That sounds about right. Oh. Uh, yeah. Eric Prindle. Yeah. Eric Prindle. By, by, by the, the way. So, uh, I don't think it was Tiago Santos. Wasn't he like punched in the nuts? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I want to say it happened twice in a fight. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, when when oh, I think man. when I think groin strikes a bad groin strikes that's one of them. By the way, so Amy Kaplan's uh, responsible to elbow was could have at least retweeted me getting the views for yourself while complaining about it. Laughing emoji. Good move. <laughs> yeah, she's uh, she's she's not wrong to be offended. By the way, you were totally right. It was Tiago Santos, and in fact, both of their fights were stopped via groin strikes. They they fought twice. Yeah, they fought twice, and both of them. And as I recall, I believe leading into the second fight, they did like a promo piece outlining the groin strike. (laughs) And Tiago Santos thought it was so. I guess the answer is Tiago Santos would have been the goat. He would have been the the best fighter of all time if groin strikes were legal. But yeah, we were starting this when the sport was getting started. After Joe Sun had the guy on his back and punched him from side control. We decided, like, groin strikes are illegal, which they probably should be. But uh, I do wonder, like, what if just everything was was their game? You could poke a dude in the eye. You could bite him, hit him in the balls. We just decided to go full, like, blood sport. So What would would the sport look like today? What would we be on ESPN? I forgot about this. I'm watching – so I go to YouTube. I'll have to put this this video in the show notes. I just – I search Eric Pringle MMA – and there's a video, Pringle slams Santos groin with a brutal axe kick. Oh, my God. I guess I got to watch this this morning. <laughs> yeah, literally, this is, and I believe this was the second fight, because I think the first fight is when Pringle, I mean, he literally axe kicks him straight to the family jewels. I do not believe what I just saw. Jimmy Smith marvels as Eric Prindle gets disqualified. Oh, so Prindle went with the balls in the first fight, and Santos got DQ'd in the second fight. So Santos came back for revenge. <laughs> he, he was like, he was like, I don't care about winning or losing. You are not having any more children. 
Mm. Oh my God, this thing is brutal. But this like, thing is so brutal. Jeez Louise. But to go back on my point on power slap is <laughs> I just think is anyone who's in the combat sports media business, content creation business, you just have to understand that while you may not like power slap, why you may have issues with the health aspects of power slap, you do have to understand that there is an audience out there. And the one thing, and I was reading, I want to say it was a wall street journal article this week where it was basically kind of talking about, you remember when Dana White said, we don't want to bring politics in the, in the sports boy. It seems like, uh, there's a lot of articles out there relating to power slap rumble and a particular political viewpoint being slammed at a younger audience. Yeah. I read the article and I got where the author was going with this story because I, I do think power slap is definitely going to skew to a younger audience as opposed to an older audience. And, but it's also one of these things of like, like I don't want to, you know, I don't want to turn on sports, whether I'm watching the UFC, uh, power slap, whatever it may be. And I, I don't, I don't want to hear about politics. No, I, I mean, I agree with you. I mean, it's not fun because it's so polarizing and divisive. And especially during this time of year, this next nine months, it's going to be exhausting. But um, I, I think certainly the product trends that direction which for some people is refreshing because most of the other products in pop culture trend the other way so i guess it's a counterbalance i'm not a big fan of it for sure you know sometimes i feel like it's a convention that some of us weren't invited to <laughs> and, and and that's kind of how i feel sometimes watching the product is like when you see so many fighters come out with these comments uh, with the red hats, you know, with the celebration of the ideology, it can be a bit of a turnoff because you just want to watch a sport you love. But personally, it's not a huge deal for me. It's just kind of annoying. But I guess the most annoying part is denying that it exists, pretending like you are this bastion of uh, – a safe space where you aren't going to get it from either side and you're fair to, to say it's not there is straight up lying. And, and I think that's the annoying part, but me, I don't particularly care. I, I actually enjoy seeing all sides represented, but uh, yeah, it, it kind of in speaking in relation to power slap. I don't know if you saw the Dana white comments, of course, uh, you know, Sean Strickland's been in the news. Not shocking. And I, and I love the Dana White comment when he, he's asked about, you know, the, this run in with Machine Gun Kelly. And he goes, You can't bring Sean Strickland around humans. Not wrong. I think that's been the <laughs> equation. He's, he's, an, he's, he's crazy. He's absolutely bananas. I, I literally I saw this clip come up and it was just Sean Strickland giving his take on Power Slap, which is hilarious. And he's he's doing an interview with uh, Nina, and he's talking about how his girlfriend, as they're you know getting ready to go to Power Slap, his girlfriend goes, "So what should I wear?" 
Oh yeah, I did that's, see that's it. A, I mean, I think that is an interesting question. What do you wear? I mean, we 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 know the Sean Strickland tire, jeans and a white T-shirt. We we've seen it. That is, that is the Sean Strickland. Like if you wanted to go out dress up as Sean Strickland on Saturday night, that, that's all you got to wear. Yeah, yeah, and his answer was hilarious. But uh, I don't know if we can even say his answer. Uh, probably not. Drugs. Probably not. It involved drugs. The drugs were involved. Um, I, I, be- that, I believe he brought up meth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he's uh, he's a crazy dude. He says some stuff I definitely disagree with. He also says some pretty funny stuff. I do get the sense that at some point something crazy is really going to happen. Like you can only have so many random run-ins with people until the other person also is crazy, and then it's just a crazy off, and then we get to a bad place. But I really hope he stays safe. Keeps entertaining us. Has fun. I don't know when he's training. I I understand he trains a lot and he spars a lot. But by God, this man is fighting everyone. And he's always riding motorcycles and doing crazy stuff. He certainly lives an interesting life. He's smart enough to hire a good PR person to do, you know, videos for him daily. But, uh, yeah. (laughs) Could you imagine being the PR person for Sean Strickland? It would be difficult, but I mean, you, you probably, gotta, I, I look, I'm just saying if you, if, if you were representing Sean Strickland from a poker relations aspect, there's one thing, you know, you could not do. You could that? not mute notifications on your phone. Yeah. Could you, could, I, I'm not one of these people, but I know there's people who like when they go to bed, they, you know, they put the do not disturb thing on. Like if you're representing Sean Strickland, you can't do that. No, you can't. You may, maybe whenever you're hosting Power Slap, you can. Yeah. You, imagine it's it's uh, it's Valentine's Day night. You represent Sean Strickland. You know, you're having a nice dinner with, with your significant other. And then you look, your phone rings. And you're like, uh, sorry, honey, I've got to go. Sean just did something really stupid. Okay, what the hell is Sean Strickland going to do for Valentine's Day? It's a damn good question. Is he going to be romantic today? Is he laying out some flower petals and, and just kind of a trail of flower petals into a big bouquet of flowers? Did he get a reservation at a nice restaurant? I, I, I'll say Are this right now. To the gun range? If you want to see anything hilarious, go to like your local grocery store today about five o'clock and look how many dudes are going to be in the flower section. Yeah, I'm going like a good American on my lunch break. 12. I, I literally last night I was in Target and I saw some dudes shopping in Target for flowers. Well, you don't want them to die. Don't uh, want them to die. I mean, yeah, it's, you know, come on. Those things have a shelf life. It's not completely procrastinated, Jason. Don't put that on us. But uh, I'm, I'm just saying, ladies, for Valentine's Day, flowers are not cheap. No, nothing's cheap. Just existing is expensive. The meal, the chocolates, mm-hmm. the flowers. It's it's I it's all it's all we need to get sponsored for this podcast for because because uh, uh, I'm in a hole. I'm in a big hole. I need a fifty thousand dollar bonus. I need to knock somebody out. Where's my dog? Dog, come over here. <laughs> no, I, I get what you mean. Uh, before we get into UFC two ninety eight, uh, of course. 
Uh, Kevin Ioli put out a, a video yesterday, or a clip, or at least a clip of a video from his interview with Dana White. Dana White saying that uh, they're going to announce the UFC 300 main event at the post-fight press conference on Saturday night. I thought that was kind of an interesting way to put that because I would have thought of like, why wouldn't you just do that during the pay-per-view? I know, like people are asleep. <laughs> People are already tuned out by the time the post-fight presser comes out. You're right about that. that Maybe they me, will do it during the pay-per-view. And that tells me get ready to be for a negative negative fan reaction to the main event. Like I, I would say, like it's likely Leon Edwards with Bilal Muhammad. That that seems like that's where we're likely heading. Okay, would you rather Leon versus Bilal? Or would you rather Leon versus Chimaev? And obviously, we know Chimaev is the bigger fight, but you would feel bad that Bilal would get sidestepped once again. <laughs> From a sporting aspect, I hope Bilal gets the title shot. But I would understand if you went the Hamzat way, even though if people did not see uh, when Ariel was talking about this on his show on Monday, he talked about that there's visa issues with Hamzat Chimaev. And I- I'll say this. If the UFC is having trouble getting a fighter into the United States, that's not a good thing. That means there's something about Hamzat Chemaev of why he can't get a visa. Yeah, I and mean, maybe it's something as simple as his relationship with um, Kadyrov. Yeah. Which is pretty rough, but at least it's something we know about. Um. Yeah, that's that's certainly true. I mean, there's been a couple fighters over the years. There's that one Bellator fighter who I can't even remember his name. Frodo Kospelayev. Yeah, he just couldn't uh, get back in the country. I'll give you a, a funny story on that one. So at that time, I was doing the podcast with Sam Kaplan. And uh, let's just say behind the scenes, there was a lot of things of um, – people were concerned about what might get said on the podcast. And, and I've always said this, if you can't get into the United States, that's not a good thing. I will say for the most part, you're right. And it's probably messed up, but in pro wrestling, there's this really nice boy from Canada named Mike Bailey. And he got screwed over because uh, he was work. So in pro wrestling, when you're an independent wrestler, you don't really get a work visa. You come into the country mm-hmm. from another country and you yeah. work a show for, for $50. So, oh, Mike Bailey, he had to spend, I want to say, it could have been five years. Five years couldn't be in America because he got caught working independent wrestling shows <laughs> without a visa, without a work visa. And he's one of the best wrestlers in the world. It's, 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 he had to go wrestle in Japan for a while. So sometimes you can like not get allowed for not the worst reasons. But by and large, you're, you're spot on. Um, but again, it could just be, which is a pretty significant thing, is having a relationship with someone who maybe our government considers the dangerous dictator. I mean, that's not great. That but is also- basically something I have been told is – is if you have communication in one way or another with someone that the United States government doesn't want uh, in our country, 
that could be a reason why you're not let in. I, and I have no idea why Hamzat can't get in, but I would say is it's going to, it, I think if you're the UFC, it's got to become an issue if you know you can't get a fighter into the United States. And, you know, if you go back to, you know, Ferro Cosp Live, he was one of the best 145 pound fighters Bellator had. And they ultimately just released him because they knew they could not get him into the United States. And, you know, and obviously Bellator at that time was strictly a United States based fighting promotion. They just said, you know what, we got to go the other way. And I, I will say this there were people in that Ferro Cosp Live camp that were utilizing people to push their own narrative as opposed to the, the the true fact of he couldn't get into the United States. Did it ever come out why he couldn't? I heard things. But never, it never public, nothing ever no, publicly. No, no, no. Yeah. You know, yeah, you, you heard things. And look, when, when the fight promotion says, we know we can't get you into the United States, we're just going to release you, that should tell you everything you need to know. Yeah, because they have no fear or concern that he's going to go to another promotion in America. And, uh, yeah, when you look at what happened, he uh, went 5-0 and in Bellator, then um, spent the rest of his career in Russia, basically, except for one fight in Tajikistan, where he did pretty well, but he had three losses. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, Jason, I'm prepared for Leon first of all. I thought we were going to get a Super Bowl commercial. I saw Michael Kies's tweet, and I thought we were going to get a Super Bowl commercial, which what? was just – Come on, you did not believe that. You're not one of those people that actually believe they were going to pay $7 million to announce a fight. On And remember, this Super Bowl was on CBS. That's not their their media partner. Like, I saw people like, oh, they're going to announce during the Super Bowl. I'm like, hold on. You think they're going to spend $7 million for a 30-second commercial to announce a UFC 300 main event? Well, that's the big problem with the UFC 300 main event. The less we know, the more we imagine. The less we know, the more hype we get. Because it's UFC 300. Maybe they're surprising us. Maybe, this is the thoughts in our head, maybe Dana's putting out, they're pretending that they can't get the fight together and they told John Jones to say they offered him and they told John Jones to get really drunk at a comedy show and act like a complete asshole. Maybe they did all those things because they have the biggest fight ever announced. But well, realistically, it's going to be Leon and Bilal. And I saw the Dana comments to Kevin Ioli about, you know, kind of when will Conor McGregor return. And it's like, you want to give us a real answer, Dana? Like, look, I have a lot of respect for Kevin Ioli. There was a clear follow-up question that could have been asked. And that question is simply, is this a contract issue with Conor McGregor? Which that is the rumbling that this is. Conor McGregor has two fights left on his current UFC contract. The UFC wants him to get into a new long-term deal. I would love if anyone in the credential media on Saturday night would ask Dana White, is this a contract issue on why Conor McGregor has not been booked for a fight? Because it is very clear to me, Conor McGregor seems ready to go for a fight. Yeah. It, it's not surprising because it's been the UFC's MO. They, if they want people locked up, they want people locked up. If they want people locked up, they're going to use leverage to get that done. They're very smart Look, with what they do. If I'm the PFL and with their relationship with Saudi Arabia, they've got to be sitting back there ready to back up the Brinks truck to bring in Conor McGregor. I mean, if McGregor leaves, that Nate Diaz fight will be the next fight. Somebody will book it. 
Somebody mm-hmm. will book and promote Nick McGregor Diaz three. Or yeah, or if it was be it, 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 it don't matter if it's PFL, if it's Saudi Arabia, if it's Diaz and Connor going half and half like a boxing show, that fight will immediately get get booked. I would say the one thing that I have found interesting just, you know, being in, in the sports bar business is the fact of, you know, right now we don't we don't have a price point on that PFL Bellator pay-per-view and uh, the, the previous pay-per-views for the PFL were a part of the ESPN plus for business package. And as I look at the calendar right now, it's not a part of it. And so I'm, I'm just kind of interested to see, are they actually going to try to sell this as a, a commercial pay-per-view, which good luck trying to sell that one. Did you see the, uh, here, let me pull it up. I had the, um, let me pull this up. I have the list of uh, all the people involved in the PFL Bellator broadcast. Hold on, let me write it off. Uh, we have forty-seven people. <laughs> Did I? Yes, I oh, saw Jesus. that. I saw that one. You know what I thought was kind of an interesting one when mm-hmm. I when I was reading that MMA Junkie article is that Michael C. Williams is not the ring announcer. It's Joe Martinez, right? No, no, no. It's um, oh, I'm sorry. It's the guy who's oh, been doing the uh, PFL Europe uh, series. The English guy, right? Yes. I don't know why I said Joe Martinez. <laughs> like, I, okay, I, you pull it up here. Sean O'Connell's going to be the play-by-play. Bet one of the best Quality. guys that play by play. Yeah, I, I think Sean O'Connell does a really good job as play-by-play. Color commentary is Shell Sonnen and Randy Couture, Dan Hardy. Uh, rules and scoring analysts will be Big John McCarthy, which uh, he had already talked about that on his podcast, that that's what was going to be his role as part of the broadcast. Uh, Amanda Guerra is going to be a reporter. So is Josh Thompson. Uh, betting an- analyst Ian Parker and Jonathan Coachman. I don't know why we need a betting analyst on on a card. Like I, I don't. And every time they do it on the PFL broadcast, I'm like, this is just filler content. Uh, and but it happens during a fight. Yeah, I mean, but there's times like it's even before the fight, and I'm, and there's sometimes like they're betting analysis. Like I just I laugh about it. I I just laugh about it. Like yeah, hey, uh, yeah, I like this five to one favorite to win. Oh no, crap! You like a five to one favorite to win? Yeah, I just like that's the one thing with PFL is sometimes watching their events live is tough to get through. And I just I hope as they make this transition to 2024 that there is someone that goes, we need to improve our broadcast. And, and it's one of these things of like, I look at the PFL and go, do you sit at home and watch your broadcast? And do you go, yeah, that's a good broadcast. No, they trying to make it like the Super Bowl. Uh, every, every time, you know, I love football. Damn. That first half was brutal. And so, it's the why, 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 why are you hating defensive football? Why, why are you hating defense? It was good defensive football, but it was it was a whole lot of time spent in between plays, a whole lot of fumbles. So I don't even know if it was good good defense as much as people freaking out in the biggest moment. But I mean, I know those are two good defenses, but Bellator does a lot of things well. They did a lot of things well. They also had a lot of filler content. So I don't think we're going to get it from the oh. Bellator side. We would go to the desk for Josh and, oh, and whomever. Oh, they need I, yeah, I despise that. Like We're getting it, the desk. It's one of these things where, like, I look at it and say, we're here to watch fights. I'm not here for to hear some, even though I, I, I like Josh Thompson's commentary. I, I just go, I'm here to watch the fights. And, and there was times that the Bellator broadcast you'd watch and just go, man, like, 
I just want to listen. I just want. I want to watch fights. I don't want to hear people talk about fights. I actually want to watch the fights. And I understand that there's a TV format, some things, but like the Showtime broadcast, I just thought was a awful broadcast. I, I just, I never, never was a fan of it. So, moral of the story, it's probably not going to get better. In fact, it might get worse. That pay per view might last forty seven hours. <sighs> I mean. I mean, seriously, think of look at all the fights we got. They're probably after every main card fight, they're probably going to go to Josh and um, Amanda on the desk, and uh, yeah, it's it's going to be rough, man. I uh, I did see. Um, I, don't, I don't know if you saw. You know, Johnny Eblen got on TMZ this week. What did he do? The headline: Bellator champ Johnny Eblen treats OnlyFans models to eighty five thousand dollars shopping spree. Like multiple. Uh no it's it's one it's one oh. girl. Oh that's cool. Um it says Bellator uh, champion Johnny Edwin's bank account took a big hit this weekend because he treated an OnlyFans model to a day full of luxury shopping, and the final price tag is wild. And it's a video of uh, him uh, getting into a very nice car, by the way. So clearly Johnny Edwin is doing pretty damn good for himself. Yeah, he's making the that's a lot of money, dude. It's a lot of money, like. Eighty-five thousand? What the heck? Yeah, saying that he spent thirty thousand dollars at at Alex the Jeweler Shop, twenty-five thousand dollars at Dior, and then another thirty thousand at Louis Vuitton. So, like, um, if you're dating someone who's a model, do you also have to subscribe? So uh, this girl, because I, 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 I found her name so on Instagram, she's got 1.9 million followers. So clearly she's doing pretty well for herself. Yeah, I feel like she could have bought most of the stuff. She definitely makes more money than Johnny Eblen. Like like 100%. Like, like, like there's no question. Monthly, she probably makes more than he makes in a year. I mean, and it's no no hate. And Johnny Eblen is one of the best middleweights in the world. It's, just, it's a pretty profitable industry, and she clearly has an audience. Yeah. Yeah, uh, her name is uh, Jacina Rebecca. Has okay. 1.9 million followers on Twitter, or excuse me, on Instagram. Over on X, a little bit different. She only has 309 followers on X. <laughs> a little bit, yeah. a little difference. <laughs> yeah, that's why Instagram's better than X. Yeah, yeah of course. I guess now the fact that I sir, I, I found her name on on X. I guess I'm going to get some for you uh, post. Hopefully, you don't get a thread. I know you love you love the threads. But the people starting to post that says thread is just you just saying I want interaction <laughs> on my post. Yeah, uh, you know, look, I'm just not as active on X. But uh, let, let's move into UFC 298. Of course, goes down on Saturday inside uh, the Honda Center there in Anaheim, California. Of course, headlined by Volkanovski and Taporia, the featherweight title fight. We got Whitaker versus Paul Costa, Jeff Neal versus Ian Machado, Gary, Rob Davidelli versus Henry Cejudo, which. Um, Cringe Henry Cejudo clearly is back. We'll Getting that here in a moment. Also, you got Anthony Hernandez versus Roman Kopilov. That's actually your pay per view, uh, first fight of the pay per view. And of course, uh, your feature prelim, Amanda Lamos taking on Mackenzie Dern. It was initially supposed to be Tatiana Suarez uh, versus Amanda Lamos, but uh, Suarez had to pull out due to injuries from Mackenzie Dern stepping up here on, on short notice. And uh, I will say this one of the things that really stuck out to me about the fight card lineup, and I, I don't know if you, you got kind of general thoughts. I was surprised to see Andrea Lee versus Miranda Maverick is the opening fight. Yeah, to me prelims. that to me that is a much more interesting fight than 
Oben Elliott, Val Woodburn, and Danny Barlow and Josh Quinlan. Like, and when we're talking about match placement, that to me is a fight that maybe belongs as the headliner of the early prelims, if not on the prelims. Because people know who Miranda Maverick is. People know who Andrea Lee is compared to Brenton Ribeiro and Zhang Meng Yang. But it's certainly a worse fight than the other three fights on the um, the prelims. Like, I would still say Lemos Dern, Delima Tafa, Rydia Nakamura, Carlos Vera are better fights. But in terms of uh, match placement, Maverick Lee should have been the headliner for the early prelims. But um, look, man, this card is bananas. Like, Henry Cejudo and Mirab Davishvili is the fourth from the top, basically, or third from the top. Like, there are going to be probably three other fights that happen after those two scrap. What the hell? That could be a Bantamweight championship fight. Those guys are that good. Henry Cejudo may be the guy on this card that you go, if someone's retiring, it may be him. I feel, I, feel, I feel like this is back against the wall for Henry Cejudo. That's a really rough fight to have your back against the wall because Moran might be the best 135er on the planet. That's a really bad fight to have your like, – like, again, like, I will pick Murad to beat Sean O'Malley tomorrow. That being said, this is a bad matchup for Murad. I mean, this is going to be a stand-up fight by and large. If it's not, holy crap. In either side of the equation, holy crap. If, if either one of these guys is going to be able to out-wrestle the other, and I know Suhudo has the credentials, but as an MMA wrestler, Murad is unbelievable. If either guy's able to do that, then that's like, wow. But when you look at the Aljo fight, I mean, I think this is going to play it on the feet. And that's a fight well, Cejudo can absolutely win. If you go back to the Aljo-Henry Cejudo fight, Aljo took down Sterling four times in that matchup. Now, uh, uh, Cejudo, Cejudo. Cejudo got three takedowns. Sterling got four takedowns in that matchup. So if Aljo was able to get four takedowns against Henry Cejudo, how many do you think Marab gets? Like I, I don't love this matchup for Henry Cejudo. And then this whole cringe thing of on on I forget what it was embedded or countdown where you say your uh, your longtime coach Captain Eric is not going to be a part of it. And then oh yeah, this was all being cringe. Yeah, he's a part of my my training camp. I just like come on man. Like you want people to like you, but then you do you do stuff like that, and you're just like. I, I think this is Mraz's fight to lose. And I, I just, like Dana White had a comment the other day, and I, and I thought it was really spot on in, in talking about the fact of, you know, Cejudo, quote unquote, retires in his prime. And, you know, I, I just think that, you know, this division has passed him up a little bit. Yeah, at the, t- at the highest level, probably it has. I'm picking Mrab. Um If either guy gets the other guy down, I, I don't know if they're going to be on top for a very long time. Suhudo is a pretty powerful athlete. He is incredibly cringy. I was really happy that we were not going to see his coach's glasses anymore, but here we are. Worst glasses of all time is is what that dude has with the the little silver thing or whatever. It's just, it's he's, just too much. I will say this: he's an incredible coach. Yeah, um, he's been with Henry um, going all the way back to when Henry was at the. Um, um, 
the Olympic Training Center in Colorado. So I mean, he he's an excellent coach. He's one you know he's one of the coaches there uh, at Henry's Gym. And so look, I, I think that the fight's like a going decision. And just tell you the betting odds: Davis Chewy wins by decision minus one thirty five. Sahuda wins by decision plus three fifty. I think this is some Rob fights to lose. I would expect that if Marab uh, does get the victory on Saturday night, that he will get the winner of O'Malley and Marlon Vera. Or could also be a situation where they might come to him and say. Be ready just in case we need you. Dude, seriously, look at Marab's resume if he beats Cejudo. He will have beaten Cejudo, Jan, Aldo. What the hell? That's a hell of a lineup, bro. That's a championship defense level lineup. (laughs) Yeah, he (laughs) – to me, he's he's one of those guys that I don't think there's a lot of people who are necessarily signing up because you know what you're getting yourself into. You know what's going to happen when Rob Dajvili is across the cage from you. Know the way he's going to do. I mean, you think about it, it gets Peter Yan took him down eleven times. He you know and, and he is he has one two three four fights in the UFC where he's had ten or more takedowns. Dude, if Murad beats Cejudo. It wouldn't be wrong to do a bantamweight rankings and put him number one above O'Malley. I I would think that a lot of people would consider Marab Dalshvili the uncrowned UFC bantamweight champion. But first, he's got to get to Cejudo in a fight, and that's why this pay per view is damn good. That's not the co-main event. That's not the main event. That's not even fight number three. It's fight number four, bro. Mm-hmm. We are yeah. finally getting our money's worth. We had to yeah. go through whatever the hell these apex cards were. And now we're getting our dessert on on this weekend. The top four fights are, on Saturday are great fights. Whether you're gonna you know hang out with your buddies, maybe go to your buddy's house, maybe your buddies are gonna come over to your house to watch the fights, or, or maybe you're going out, or or who knows? Maybe you just you know what you, you you're gonna sit on your couch by yourself watch these fights. The top four fights. This is when we talk about premium level cards. This is what we want to see. We want to see promotions give us a reason to fork over. Our money. I mean, I mean, I think after taxes, like what, probably 75, 80 bucks, whatever it is. It's well, Saturday's card is well worth the price of admission. You know, you look at the Jeff Neal and Ian Gary fight, a, a fight that I would expect plays out on the feet. I think the length of Ian Machado Gary will be ultimately be the key there. But as I said earlier in the show, I think there's a lot of people who are going to be tuning in that are hoping to see Ian Gary get knocked the F out. Uh, you look at, at Whitaker and Costa. It's it's one of those fights that I look at Robert Whitaker and I say, at some point the wheels are going to start to fall off. I mean he he's getting older. We saw it happen against Drake's two pluses, and I just kind of wonder. But Paul Costa, I don't think you, you trust him a lot. But you know potentially maybe he knocks him out there. And of course the main event, it's it's a great fight. You know, obviously when you look at the age of Alexander Volkanovsky, this is typically when you see fighters in that weight class kind of go on the downside of their career. Ilya Taporia. Confidence, arrogance, cockiness. Yeah, he's got a whole lot of it. Will it be justified? Possibly. This is the point in careers where people lose if you're Volk. This is the point in career where the young man takes the championship. Volkanovski put out a hilarious video where he was really old. Did you see that video? Yes, it, it well, was. I mean, it was it was excellent. That was prime excellent stuff. The one thing I can't stop thinking about with this fight is um, Sean Brady was on Joe Rogan's podcast, mm-hmm. and he talked about the viewpoint. 
you get when you lose the O and you just become a better fighter. It's a lot of pressure when you're undefeated. When things go wrong, it's a catastrophe. Something makes me wonder if this is going to be a lesson Topuri is going to learn here. When he, or is he just going to be the best damn fighter on the planet? I've gone back and forth. Volk is really behind the eight ball when it comes to his activity coming off losses. And the momentum is not in his way. He's also older. I'm going to go with Volkanovski. He's been there, done that. He's been through war. He's faced defeat often lately. And I think he's going to give Ilya his first loss. But I don't know. I'm riding with the old dog. You know, last week UFC tried to feed Jack Hermanson to Joe Pfeiffer. And Hermanson said, not so fast. He pulled a Lee Corso and uh, invited him to the deep end of the UFC and, and taught him a lesson and, and showed him, Joe, if you want to be a champion in this sport, you're going to have to fight for five rounds. And maybe Joe will. So I'm, I'm leaning with the trend. I think the veteran gets it done here against the young gun. I'm actually leaning the other way. I think Ilya Teporia gets the job done. I mean, the the one thing about Volkanovski is we, we live in a sport where we remember the last thing we saw. And if, if he does not take that fight on short notice, which his team didn't want to take, didn't want him to take that fight on short notice, but there was obviously a big financial incentive. And of course, it, you know, Volkanovski's comment after it, to me, it, it's just more of thinking about that. Well, Alexander Volkanovsky to me is a featherweight goat, and I know there's people out there that Jose Aldo will always be the featherweight goat. I think you look at the run that Volkanovsky has done at 145 pounds. To me, I would say he's a goat, but I, I just think we're starting to see the downside of Alexander Volkanovsky, and, and I very much could be proven wrong here. Uh, Taporia, to me, he has got the package in terms of all of it. I think Taporia. If he doesn't get the job done Saturday night, I do believe he will be a UFC featherweight champion at some point in his career. He's only 27 years old. I, look, I love the confidence here, but it's one of those things of if he doesn't get the win on Saturday night, there are going to be people that it's going to be open season on Ilya Taporia because of the things he has said leading up to this one. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I'm thinking it's going to be open season on not only him, Jason, I think it's going to be open season on Ian Gary. Give me Jeff Neal. I think Jeff Neal gets the knockout. I, I could be thinking with my heart here and not my brain with these picks. If Jeff Neal gets it done, you know Sean Strickland's going to be on, on X saying something. Even if he doesn't get it done, you know Sean Strickland's going to be on X. He's going to be on X about Ian Gary. Bro, I got a question for you. What's up? What's your favorite win Paulo Costa has over a UFC fighter, an active UFC fighter? What's your favorite Paulo Costa win over an active UFC fighter? Why do I feel like I'm going to, as I look at this resume, I'm just going to go, uh, it can't be Luke Rockhold because that was a washed-up Luke Rockhold at at that point. And he's not a UFC fighter. (laughs) Well, he doesn't have a win. I mean, Raya Hall. Who retired two years ago. (laughs) I don't. I don't believe. I don't believe that word. Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. He, he then. Yeah. I mean, you look at uh, his two losses. Of course, are, are two of the better guys in this division, Izzy and, and Vittori. But yeah. I mean, give me, give me Robert Whitaker. My man has a resume that says he worked at Radio Shack in Circuit City. Give me Robert Whitaker. My thing about Robert Whitaker. I mean, it's, I just pull up his Wikipedia. I would have thought Robert Whitaker's older than thirty three. 
He definitely, yeah. The idea that he's only one year older than Paulo Costa is is you you wouldn't think it. You would not think it. Certainly, I think Whitaker has more tread on his MMA tires. But also, Paulo Costa's been through some crap. I mean, geez, Louise, that infection he battled with. That is no, that must have been hell. Seriously. So honestly, like kudos to Paulo for getting here because, dude, that picture was nasty. Then they got like reinfected. They had to do more surgery. Like, bro, props to Costa for getting here. It must have been a hard journey. Yeah, I mean, I, I look at it and say, okay, how does Whitaker bounce back after that knockout loss against DDP? If I'm Paul Acosta's camp, I, I want to keep this fight on the feet. I, I can see Whitaker's camp maybe try to get this get this one to the ground. Um, I mean, but you look at, you know, since he came to the middleweight, only two guys have been able to defeat Robert Whitaker, DDP and Izzy. And I do not think Costa gets added to that list, but he could be. Though These four fights are great. Hell, Jason... I will posit to you that that fifth fight is a good fight on on the main card. Anthony Hernandez and Roman Kopilov are not household names, but they are middleweight fighters who have put together nice little resumes. Kopilov utilizing his stand-up, Fluffy Hernandez utilizing his grappling. But you got two dudes on four-fight winning streaks going head-to-head trying to prove themselves in the middleweight division. I'm thinking Hernandez wins easily. I'm thinking he puts Kopilov on his back. Because we saw Kopilov early on in his career get completely outgrappled by Carl Roberson. So I'm thinking Fluffy wins. But, bro, that's a nice little uh, little appetizer as we enter this main card. Good little middleweight scrap. I feel like this middleweight fight, the winner gets Sean Strickland. Wow, that would be a massive step up for either one of them. No, no, I, no I'm, I talking, I'm, talking about Whitt- I'm talking about Whitaker and Kopilov. Oh, I was going to be uh, no, I mean, like, I was, I, I was I, like, I was like, all right, Jason, I guess I, I'll, I, I'll put what you're throwing down. I guess copy love Strickland is the uh, apex main event. Oh yeah. 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 Don't, yeah, don't, no don't tip Dana White. Don't tip Dana White. He know you, he will do that in a heartbeat. Dude, you don't I think hate- Ian Gary gets the Strickland fight. <laughs> you don't think he moves up to 185? And- no, no. I mean, I would still be interested to, to see them rebook Vicente Luque versus Ian. Um, of course, we're supposed to see that fight back in December. But like, I hate to say this about Robert Whitaker, but like, he is very much getting very close to that G word. Yeah, yeah, the gatekeeper. I agree with you. I mean, if but I would sit there if you look at the top of this division at, at middleweight, you got Shrikwin one, Izzy two, Whitaker three, Canier four, Vittori five, Costa six. Allen seven, Imovolve eight, Delidze nine, Hermanson number ten. Uh, you know Hermanson had mentioned about the a, a matchup against Imovolve, um, but yeah, it's it's right now. It's gonna be interesting to kind of see how they they play this one out. I mean, to me, DDP versus Izzy does make a ton of sense. But if you said, hey, let's do DDP versus Strickland as an immediate rematch, got no problem with that one. But yeah, it's. I, I will say this: I think the U. If the UFC really needs to look at investing in one division, it might be 185 pounds. Investing? Yeah, in terms of getting people more intrigued in this division, of getting a fresh contender in there. It does seem like everyone has fought Izzy. I agree with that. Um, And, and, and yeah, I think that fresh contender is going to be Chimaev. It is the fresh contender. Maybe it's Anthony Hernandez down the line, but uh, they still need an, an infusion 
of young talent. You know, you kind of look at some of these other weight classes. They have more interesting names. Like at lightweight, you have BSD. You know, that's an interesting name. At, at welterweight, you have someone like Jack Della. That's an interesting name. At featherweight, you know, you're just looking at these 10 through 15. Sadiq Youssef, Dan Ige, uh, Bantamweight, Umar Namagamadoff, Mario Batista. So, yeah, there's some good names here. Middleweight definitely needs an infusion of talent. Seems like everyone's been on a date with Izzy. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, you know, looking forward to it. You know, the rest of the fight card is, you know, Rinya Nakamura is a pretty good Bantamweight, good wrestler, prospect. That's a name to keep an eye out for on uh, against Carlos Rivera. And, you know, I'm sure the UFC is hoping Mackenzie Dern has brushed up on her wrestling. She's not very good at taking people down. But I think they want her to get that big W over Amanda Lemos because I think that's someone at Women's Strawweight they want to promote. And she has looked good. But by God, she looked like ass against Jessica Andrade. I mean, that was like one of those things where like, you're doing so well. And then you just came out with – and you just didn't – what happened? What happened against Andrade? That was so bad. So they're hoping she does good against Lemos. And I am too. Hopefully she goes on a run. In terms of, I'll just kind of go through my picks here. And I would say this, my picks are subject to change. Uh, I'll go to Poria in the main event. Uh, give me Whitaker, the co-main event. Uh, I'll go Ian Machado-Gary, Marab Davishvili, and Anthony Hernandez. So I agree with you on three. I'm going Anthony, Marab, Whitaker. And I am diet going Volk and Neil. I think we're going to split the, the Volk and Neil fight. I think one will be... Will be one and one on those, or maybe you're gonna do a sweep. Maybe you'll go five and zero. Oh. By the way, I have my WTF moment of the week now. What is it, bro? So you remember Juan Espino, the the UFC heavyweight? He's gonna have a retirement fight, okay. March twenty third in Spain. Okay. Against Antonio Bigfoot Silva. That's not even WTF. That's just an F. That's just an F. You just F. Oh, my God. You want to know the last time Antonio Bigfoot Silva won a fight? What what year was it? 2015 against Soa Pulele at UFC 190. Okay. That is absurd. That was literally almost a full decade ago. Let me see what movies came out in August of 2015. Straight out of Compton came out. Uh, Fantastic Four. Um, yeah, nothing really came out uh, around then. I mean, that's just crazy to me. I mean, I believe back then Abraham Lincoln was the president. It's a sad story to me. And it's it's one of these things that I just I look at the inner circle of Antonio Bigfoot Silva. And I, I get, maybe this is his only way to make money. I, I, I get that. But like at some point, someone has got to step in and say, no, we are not letting you fight. He's got to go to different countries just to get it done. Yeah. There's no, there's no way a U.S. commission would ever license Bigfoot. No way. Yeah. Yeah. It's depressing. It's sad. And, uh, yeah, it's a really sad WTF. Yeah, I know. It, it's it's one of these things that I saw on, on the MMA Reddit, and I was just like, what is going on here? Like, 
I, I remember it doesn't feel like it was that long ago where Alex Davis, who who was Bigfoot, still was manager for a long time. But you know, he I want to say he basically said like I had to walk away because I didn't want to be a part of this anymore. You don't want to enable this. You don't want to enable this again. A whole decade and a lot of the losses are knockouts. Truly awful. I know you're talking. You don't want to fight in eight years. Like it, it's. It's the sad tale of combat sports where if you're unable to create a life after competition, and I mean, we, we, we see this happen all across combat sports where, you know, the, the fire just, for whatever reason, was, wasn't able to set up a life after it. I mean, it's, it's just sad to see more than anything. It's just sad. Yeah. Yeah. I actually thought he was done. But um, that's why it's like I always say, you never believe that R word in combat sports because there's just too many goddamn examples of uh, it's not going to be here. But uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to watching UFC 298. I'm not sure how I'm going to take it in. If I'm going to just kind of, you know, sit on the couch, maybe have some of the fellows over or maybe if I, you know, go out uh, to watch. I haven't quite decided how I'm going to take in UFC 298 quite yet. Yeah, it's, it's only well, Wednesday. We got we have, we got a long time till Saturday. We got a, a lot of time. I'm excited. I don't know how I'm going to take it in either, but we are in a run of three great pay-per-views in a row, and I look forward to talking about this fight card. And honestly, looking forward to talking about the UFC main event, 300 main event, with you next week. Well, we will have it. Like probably we'll have it. It will probably be a little disappointed. I think you laid out the reasons why, based on the timing and where it's going to be released, but uh. I look forward to next week's pod. We're going to have a whole hell of a lot to discuss. PFL versus Bellator is next Saturday. Damn. We are we are in a good spot for mixed martial arts. Yeah, you got the uh, the fight night car in Mexico City of uh, Bram Moreno and uh, Bram Royval. Yep. So that, that's a, a nice little scrap that we got. That, yeah, that'll be you – know, next Saturday will be a, a nice day. I mean, I'm – I'm kind of hoping that maybe there's going to be a sports bar near me that has got the PFL Bellator event on, you know. But yeah, that'll be a long day of uh, you know watching fights. And, and uh, yeah, I, I'm like you. I think that PFL Bellator event is going to go on forever. Yeah, that yeah, feels that like a seven hour, eight hour type card. It starts at noon Eastern time with the prelims. That's crazy. But yeah, I, I was I was on the I was on the ESPN app yesterday to see if there was a price point on that one and. Uh, I did not see anything, and there's been nothing in a press release that that is indicated. Um, I, I would imagine we're probably it's probably going to be a fifty dollar pay per view. That'd be my guess. Yeah, that's one of those I'm going to have to really clinch my teeth when I buy it. But it's a fight card I do want to see. It really is. But yeah, uh, they're just, out here trying to make some money. Hopefully, Saudi gave him some money. Yeah, I mean, when you go on the ESPN app, the, all they have listed right now is the uh, the prelims next Saturday. Mm. But yeah, mm. the the physical pay per view is. I mean, I would. My guess is that's going to be a fifty dollar pay per view. I, I would be surprised if it's if it's less than fifty dollars. Yeah, I think you're spot on. I, I mean, fifty. I on. mean, for what that card is, fifty dollars isn't bad. I mean, I, I don't. I don't know how much of a success it's going to be on pay per view. Yeah, I don't think it will be a big success. Absolutely not, just because I don't think it's a fight card that casual people care about. But as a hardcore fan, I'm excited for it. Got any uh, wrestling matches this weekend? Just on Sunday night, man. So I'll enjoy the pay-per-view Saturday, rest up, and then uh, 
Sunday night locally. I'm in a three-team match. So I'm really looking forward to it, man. Got another, you know, got to hit the gym maybe later today after Valentine's Day. Just a little bit of cardio to get the blood flowing. And then Thursday, Friday, Saturday, hit it hard when I got that free time. And Sunday, bro, we try and get a dub. Try and get a dub for the fans. Dude, I got to the gym yesterday morning at 530. And uh, packed to the gills. I literally got the last treadmill. 530 in the morning? Yeah. Wow, people out here getting it done early in Florida. Yeah, Jim opens at 5 a.m. And so uh, I had I had some early things going on. So, you know, I got, you know, what, what I, my typical routine has been just get up like 6 a.m., get the gym by like 6.30, 6.45. I, I think it's been, I've kind of found like that seems to be a sweet spot where it kind of dies down a little bit and, you know, you can get you know get on the, the cardio machines you want to get on the weight machines you want to but uh but yeah today is it'll be I'm, I'm gonna hit this afternoon so i think it should be too bad yeah people will be out on dates and stuff so. but yeah I, I i would much rather do it in first thing in the morning get done get the blood flowing and i i just i feel better about myself when i get it done first thing in the morning yeah yeah the only thing that makes me feel better is doing an MA podcast first thing in the morning. Now, my brain is stimulated. My brain is stimulated. Uh, it's mental coffee. So, yeah, we should just do a podcast every morning. No no gym. Let's get that brain stimulated, Jason. Uh, I don't know about that one. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know about that one. Yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, but yeah, man, it's, you know, I'm, I'm, feel, I'm feeling good about myself, man. You know, I'm, hell yeah. I'm, I've got, I've got a ton more energy and, uh, I also, for whatever reason, I feel like I get more more things done in the day too. When I just get up, get get that blood flowing, get that get that heart rate up, you know, and and, and just pull pull off that sweat, man. We love to see it. Do not drop the rope every day. Pull that rope. Get closer to your goals. Yeah, every I've day, bro. Uh, I didn't go to the gym Monday. Um, uh-huh. Sunday night was. Let's just say there was a lot to keep a shot Sunday night. <laughs> Yeah, well, that's Super Bowl, man. You yeah, we were, you know, was out with a group of people watching the game, and one of the guy goes, "Looks, uh, George looks at us, goes, hey, y'all want to do a shot? Sure, why not? Yeah, that's my love language. I, I literally think we probably did three or four tequila shots. Yeah, yeah Monday was all about recovery. I, I, I would say this. I was not really a tequila guy for a long oh, time, oh, but oh. like, if someone says let's do a shot, I'd rather just do, do tequila. Mm-hmm. Why is that? I don't know. It's just kind of a go-to shot. It, it, there is there is someone in the friends group who she has a particular shot. Yeah. You ever had a pickleback shot? No. What's that? Pickle off someone's back? Shot of JMO, and you uh-huh. wash it down with a, a shot of pickle juice. Oh, my God. That sounds disgusting. <laughs> that sounds so gross. <laughs> Gosh. How do you not have stomach problems after, like, two? Uh, I... Yeah, I, I, I've. It's not awful. It's not awful, but yeah, sometimes you feel the next morning. So, so Monday mo- Monday morning was a little rough morning for me. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. You know, so but yeah, man, it was, it was you know it's it was a good time. It was a good time. So I, I enjoyed it. But uh, as always, we appreciate everyone uh, tuning this episode of the podcast. Of course, new episodes come out every Wednesday or Thursday. It just kind of depends on myself and Daniel's schedule. So we appreciate everyone tuning in for this episode of the MA Report Podcast.